Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Welcome to the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. Here are your hosts, Jeff Carrier and Seth Lowell. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show, back for another great episode. Week one is in the books, and we are here to talk about it. I am your host, Jeff Carrier. He is Seth Lull. Uh, Seth, let's get right into it. I wanted to cover in this episode three um, main overarching topics. One, what are some of our observations, takeaways from week one? Uh, Maybe some panic meter you know, what are some of the players that didn't perform well? What's our panic meter? I know it's only one week, but let's go ahead and start seeing where our panic level is. And, of course, just touch on some players that were likely on waivers. How do we kind of project them going forward, even though most people's waivers have probably already happened since this recording? Um, so let me kind of just jumpstart this because I feel like there could be a lot that you can add to one of my observations. And my main observation was the people are who the people are who we thought they were, um, you know, in terms of if we thought they were bad or good. We I felt like you know the Tyler Lockets of the world, Dak. I, I don't want to give away all the players. I want you to take it from here, but just with that premise in mind, um, the people are who they thought that we were was one of my main observations from week one. Yep, um, I think Dak being a really good example. I mean, we were Dallas on paper looks like they were on, you know, they're going to have one of the best offenses this year, but we want to see how it looks. We want to see CeeDee Lamb in his second season and he was being drafted in the third round, you know, um, can't get, he live up to that. How does Dak look? Is Dak healthy? And, you know, starting, you know, and we, we talked about this after the Tampa Bay Dallas game. It was, we were like spoiled watching that game. Like you go from watching that game to a lot of the other games on the NFL slate on Sunday and, um, you know, extremely Dak was impressive the entire game. Didn't run a lot. We didn't expect him to. Um, but, you know, Dak, it's it's kind of like, why do we, you know, you watch Dak play and it's like, why do we have any hesitations or reservations about Dak going into this year? The upside is just immense for Dak Prescott. Over 400 yards. He had the one interception. But other than that, he played flawless against a really good front seven, really good defense in Tampa Bay on the road. His first and, and game ton back. of throws too. Like that was one of the things I mentioned kind of late in the draft special. And now I know that most teams are going to get into kind of a, a more than average pass heavy uh, pass offense against Tampa Bay. But we've, we've seen it, you know, time and time again, all season last year with the first four games with Dak Prescott, and he was on an outrageous pace. And I don't think anything's going to change because Mark, Mike McCarthy is who he is. And they're going to be passing a ton. And so that was very evident in week one as well. Yep. And, and Dak, you know, CeeDee Lamb had a couple drops. It could have even been better for, for Dallas. I mean, I thought Dak was the best quarterback on the field. I thought he outplayed Tom Brady. I mean, they're both they're both studs. Um, but I think Dak, all things considered, was was the most impressive quarterback this weekend that I, that I saw. 
So, you know, Dallas offense is the real deal. Their defense is pretty bad, um, which is good for for their offensive fantasy players, right? They're going to be in these games all the time. So that was just a fun game to watch. Um, you 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 know you're watching it and you want as many shares as the as Tampa Bay players. You know, obviously not the running backs, which is another thing. Staying in the same game is we knew this running back, um, this backfield was going to be a mess. It was even more messy than we than we thought. I actually liked Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones as as you know seventh eighth round guys, but you know I I think it fit in line with our, our liquid bench asset strategy. And now you can drop these. I mean, I'd be perfectly fine dropping either one of them. I actually dropped Fournette um, before the game for another player for for a defense. Um, so you know, I, I think I think a lot of the games. I think overall th- there were too many things that surprised me. So to your point about you know the, you know these players, um, these teams, these players, they they are who we thought they were. I think that was pr- held up pretty true for the entire weekend because there's only a couple things that surprised me. Um, Kyler Murray. Um, you know, was a stud. There, there are very few quarterbacks. And I don't, I don't want to get all over the place here, but um, there, it was actually kind of a slow, a, a slower. Like a lot of people think, week one offenses are going to be way ahead of the defense. I, I felt like watching this, um, not that the defenses were ahead of the offenses necessarily. There, there's plenty of games that were high scoring, but I felt like there was a lot of teams that struggled. I feel like there, there wasn't as much scoring as I would have anticipated. For week one. Well, and there was a lot of scoring. Just sometimes it came in places that you didn't expect. Maybe like, uh, you know, the Houston game or, you know, with Detroit putting up as many points. But, um, you know, is there anyone else that just falls in this category that's worth mentioning? I thought, you know, a couple other names I had here and teams, if you want to follow up with any feedback. You know, Raheem Mostert, who I hated. You know, it's not a shocker. This guy went down with an injury. This is what he does every year. Why Why does anyone allow themselves to get into a situation where you're, you're drafting Raheem Mostert and expecting something different? So I thought he was someone who we thought they were. Um, you know, Kansas City. The Giants C- offense. The, the Giants, Giants, the the Giants, Giants offense, offense is, is pathetic and anemic. Adam Thielen, who we weren't high on, but was Adam Thielen. Kansas City and Seattle. Seattle, who as much as we want them to keep throwing more, they change OC. Well, guess what? They're still throwing, you know, not a lot of passes, assuming they have the lead. And Russell Wilson is uber efficient and can only imagine what his scoring output would be if they actually, you know, pass the ball, not even let him loose, just pass the ball on a, on a normal percentage that a lot of other teams um, have really kind of gone to. Miami is another, another team that I thought, you know, we weren't very high on Miami's offense, but we've been very low on Tua. You know, about yep. what you would expect from from Tua. But, um, yeah, and they're going to play kind of grindy games, and I I would expect very grindy games from from Miami and that team all year long. Kansas City's offense is going through the same people as expected. And, you know, in many rights, it's almost like why can't we all be better at drafters if you know if if we have a lot of if we can kind of repeat this, like if we can say, well, here's consistency, here's consistency, but we always get enamored, right, by these these other names that, that come out of nowhere, the, the Antonio Gibsons, and there's a whole slew of them, um, you know, and we don't want Thielen and Tyler Lockett going in the fifth round or whatever, who we were high on, but it was just, it, it's funny how sometimes we, we always forget that, this certain player, you know, is going to be who they thought we were. And yet we kind of pivot to, you know, quote unquote upside. Yeah. And another player that we, we knew was going to be good, probably the highest 
um, you know, most highly touted prospect at the quarterback position since um, since Peyton Manning, Trevor Lawrence, had a pretty good game. I got kind of lost in the shuffle. He threw three interceptions, um, and they got blown out. Not blown out. The final score ended up being 37-21. But you watch that game, and I, 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 look at, I looked at that as like it confirmed what I thought about Trevor Lawrence. He threw three picks. Not because like yes, some quarterbacks, some rookies will throw picks because they're they're, they're not ready for for the NFL stage. They're they're raw. Um, you know, they're just making bad decisions. Not that Trevor Lawrence didn't make any bad decisions, but I felt like a lot of his interceptions came because he can make any throw that he wants to make, and in doing so, he's gonna he's gonna make some mistakes early on in his career. But he was throwing the ball all over the place, 332 passing yards. Um. Their defense is so bad, right? So I, Trevor Lawrence is going to be in these games. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be a stud. We liked him a lot as one of those quarterbacks, um, especially in two quarterback leagues, right? Um, that you can get in in the middle rounds if you don't if you don't want to pay up for one of the the premium quarterbacks. So I think Trevor Lawrence, you know, was just performed as advertised. And um, and I will point out too, DJ Chark, twelve targets, led the team in targets, caught a touchdown. Um, so good day for my boy, DJ Shark. Um, all right. What's an observation that you had? So, man, there's a, there's a lot. I think, I think one of the, um, I I think one of the ones like I already mentioned is a lot of these quarterbacks, a lot of these quarterbacks really struggled. So outside of Kyler Murray and Jalen Hurts, a lot of the running quarterbacks did really well. Um, but you look at like, Josh Allen had a rough day. He was playing Pittsburgh, but he had a rough day. You look at um, Ryan Tannehill had a, had a disastrous day. Let's just touch on those two real quick because both of those are um, pretty intriguing, I think. You know, starting with, well, for one, they're both at home. And Pittsburgh does have a good defense, but nothing stopped Josh, Josh Allen last year. And the only conclusion I really came up with uh, or kind of, you know, that I thought of was, you know, Josh Allen is just human this year. Sometimes there's a year, just like it reminds me of Lamar Jackson on his MVP season. Following up, he still had a good year in terms of, you know, a normal quarterback season in rushing, but it wasn't a, like, just unhuman year. Maybe Josh Allen's just human this year, whereas last year he wasn't. He wouldn't have been phased at home, you know, against an on-the-road Pittsburgh defense. I don't think that would have happened last year. Now, I'm not concerned about Josh Allen whatsoever. I'm just basically saying that he's human. Yeah. Yeah, potentially. I mean, I think part of it is I think Pittsburgh's defense is just a little better. They're, they're really good. And, uh, yeah, it's your point. He is human. I, I like how he still had nine carries. Like, you still rushed the ball nine times, 44 yards. Um, you know, I, I, I'm not worried about him as much as I am um, – about a couple of the other ones, you know, one, one of the, probably the most disappointing player. One of my observations kind of goes in line with the quarterback theme here is, is how, how bad and how dis, you know, uninterested Aaron Rodgers looked when you watched that game. And it was a disaster from right from the outset, but he, his body language was terrible. He, it seemed like, Oh, after every play, you know, every um, three and out, every incompletion, he'd be shaking his head. He looked like he didn't want to be there. You know, I'm, I'm not the first one to make this observation. It's, you know, it's a lot of people agree on this. But, um, and we could talk about him a little bit more when we get into our panic meter, but I um, I don't know. There's a lot of just really, really bad performances 
and probably those, those are probably the big three, right? Aaron Rodgers, Ryan Tannehill, um, you know, and Josh Allen. Now, Josh Allen wasn't quite as bad, but um, if you you know if if you're in a two quarterback league and you drafted, um, you know, one of those three quarterbacks, you're not very happy. Yeah, my my second observation was Aaron Rodgers related to just. You know, I, I like you said, a lot of this is not, you know, a lot of people had the same, you know, outlook or was able to to see the same thing in terms of him being not great on the sidelines. But, I, you know, I went a step further, which is easy to pile on after such a bad outing. But I just went, you know, I wrote down Aaron Rodgers, most overrated quarterback of all time, big baby. Like, I'm just tired of this guy always getting passes of being super uber talented. This is what everyone said about Jay Cutler. And it, and it's like how many years does it take for us to realize that the guy can barely even get back to a Super Bowl? I mean, he 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 like he can't. He went to two right and lost one. So, I mean, did he go to two? I mean, I can't keep track. I think maybe two. And uh, he went to he went to one. Went to and, one and, uh, beat and beat Pittsburgh. Yeah. Beat Pittsburgh, right? That's the one I could think of. I was, I was trying to give him credit on a second, but the 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 damn guy can't even get to a second and. It's just I'm just tired of passes with these types of quarterbacks who are just they're great they're talented you know and which is exactly what he is but he's you know just uber full of himself and always has been and always and and just look at his actions you know demanding a trade on the NFL draft day taking the attention away from the team and, and etc. So I agree there. Another observation I had with QBs was this. This new plan, which seems to be working okay, you know, we'll see how well if this develops even more. Which I think the more success can can go to more usage. But we're now seeing these, and it will be only a matter of time before Trey Lance and and Justin Fields gets on the field. But we also saw it with Marcus Mariota in in Las Vegas. We saw it last year um, or the last couple of years with Taysom Hill in New Orleans. And I don't know if Taysom Hill got any touches. Um, I didn't get to really see that game, and I don't. I'm not even going to waste my time going back to rewatch it. But I don't know if Taysom Hill got any touches against Jameis Winston. Probably wasn't necessary. But we're seeing this scenario where it's becoming more comfortable in the 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 high percentage rate of success with these backup quarterbacks coming in who have a different skill set than than the than the main quarterback um, being used productively. And it almost seems like a college gimmick when New Orleans are doing it. But now that you see more quarterbacks doing it, I can almost see something where, you know, these certain quarterbacks or these certain teams, should I say, they're going to go and draft. It's like it's getting like a specialty kick returner. Like instead of putting Trevor Lawrence in a bad spot or maybe Baker who can't do something very specific, let's bring in this guy on third down and one and make it really difficult for the defense to stop at third down and one Um, or near the goal line in the red zone in these certain spots. Like why not go get the specialty person who you can draft in the fourth round who has a little bit of ability to throw because he played at a small college. I could see this becoming a little bit of a specialty role because, you know, third down conversions in red zone is so important in the NFL this could develop into something more, maybe not right now, but because of what we're seeing with Fields and Lance, and and again, even like that small role that Marcus Mariota played, um, it, it was successful. And yeah, this also well, prevents those quarterbacks from getting in a position of maybe injuring themselves. Yeah, and I, yeah, I think if they if they use them and it works, then they look they look like geniuses. If it doesn't work, I, I think I. I I agree. Like I liked how they brought in Trey Lance, the Niners did, and he threw a touchdown pass. I like when the Bears brought in Justin Fields, 
and it was a it was a passing play. It's like as opposed to them bringing them in and the defense sounds okay. They're just going to run. It's going to be a quarterback draw. But it's, it's also a, a multifaceted option play. Like the defense has yeah. been so tuned to in the past, where you know you had Taysom Hill and he only ran it. To your point, it was like okay, well, why can't that be easier to stop? Well, now if you bring someone in and they have the ability or the option to read what the defense is giving them and either run or pass that's where I think the success can come in. I mean, even even someone like New England, let's say they still had Cam Newton, but it's a third down and one. We saw we, we saw New England on several occasions not be able to convert a third down and one by handing it off. Like the the running play just took a little too long. Um, and what if they had Cam Newton in there and they just went full QB blast? I also think, I think just in general, these games were... I thought that teams were playing a little more aggressively than I'm used to seeing um, teams I play. I think the coaching overall was a little better outside of Joe Judge trying to challenge. Um, he, he threw the challenge flag for, I believe it was a scoring play, and it was an, it was an unchallengeable play, and he lost a timeout. Outside of that, I thought the head coaches played, I mean, there's a lot more going for it on fourth down, a lot more teams being aggressive. Like the Bears game, for example, Matt Nagy went for it, what, like three fourth, down, fourth downs in a row because he's like, okay, we're not going to be able to stop the Rams' offense if we, we can't win this game by kicking field goals. Um, so I liked it. As a viewer, it was more fun to watch, and I think it's smarter too. So I, I don't know if this is, is because there's there's a lot – there's newer head coaches, there's a lot more younger head coaches. I don't know if it's kind of like the new wave of coaching, of thinking. But um, the other thing real quick, too, on coaches is um, Anthony Lynn, offensive coordinator of Detroit, first year, um, he's kind of known for having like a run-heavy offense, throwing to running backs a lot. As we know, Austin Eckler had his biggest years catching the ball with Anthony Lynn. First year without Anthony Lynn, um, I think zero catches for Austin Eckler. And you open, open up the box score. Um, if you didn't watch the game, if you did watch the game, Jamal Williams and um, DeAndre Swift just absolutely went off catching the ball I think they combined for I just had the screen axed out they combined for I think like 17 catches so I don't know but yeah. something to follow no, I think, the I think that's a real great deal. great point I'm surprised we really didn't catch up on that on the offense but I mean in the offseason but I mean then again I don't care to to follow the Detroit Lions offensive coordinator but at the same time we we say this a lot you know these these certain types of coaches when someone leaves it's a different system we don't know what's going to happen. That's a great, you know, observation there for sure. Um, and that Anthony Lynn's always been known for that ever since he was all the way back in Buffalo. So uh, I like that as well. Uh, anything else before we maybe move on to the panic meter? No, let's get let's get some panic meter. All right, panic meter one through ten. We'll start off with some higher level guys here that went early in the draft, which is. More more than likely, where you're going to have some panic. Um, all right, one through ten. What's your panic level on Zeke? Ten being high, um, one being low. See, my thing with Zeke is, I feel like if you drafted Zeke in the first round, you knew you're getting yourself into. You knew, like he had a kind of a rough year last year. You know that he's he has limitations because the you know the offense really isn't built around Zeke anymore. It's, it's kind of like the transformation Seattle made, where they became more of a pass heavy. Um, offense. So I think um, if you drafted Zeke like me, if I if I own Zeke, I would say panic meter. I'm I'm probably at a six. It's it's one game. They played a really good rush defense in Tampa Bay. It was a shootout. Um, not the best game, you know, you know, for Zeke's skill. So I'd say six. I just I just don't know what the upside with Zeke is. I think his floor is pretty scary. 
um, for a first round pick. And um, I, I don't know if he has the biggest ceiling. I mean, he has to get multiple touchdowns um, to really have a monster day, which which he's very capable of doing. But I'd say a six. Yeah, I mean, when you when you consider a lot of the quarterback uh, running backs that you know when several rounds behind him, I mean, he seems very replaceable. I would say a five, but partially on that is like you mentioned. I feel like where you're drafting him, even though he wasn't the first round. You know, you you look at last year and you say, okay, this is a super pass-heavy team. He's going to get a bulk of the workload, which is no doubt. He'll get the goal line carries, which, again, no doubt. But, you know, Dak can run them in. He can pass them. They're still super pass-heavy. So I'm not, like, scared and worried. I'll just kind of go down the middle of the road and call it a five. How about McLaurin? I mean, losing his quarterback for a couple months at the least. I mean, who knows if Fitz can really come back and even be good. Um, yeah, I mean, see, McLaurin was my binky going into this year. I, I loved his, I loved the chances of him being, you know, top two or three fantasy receiver because of Fitzpatrick, because look, look what McLaurin has been doing his first two years in the NFL without any, any, anybody at the quarterback position, right? He was playing with Dwayne Haskins, um, Heineke last year, Alex Smith. Um, so I, I mean, I think he had like 10 fantasy points. Um, I, I would say my panic meter is is probably at a, a I, I don't want to be redundant, sound repetitive here, but I'd say probably like a six, seven-ish. Like, I'm not going full-blown. I'm not looking to move him for, for pennies on the dollar um, because we've he's this is nothing new to him. He's been playing with – he hasn't played with a good quarterback his entire career. So I, I still think that um, he's going to be solid. He's going to be respectable. But, like, I, I think his upside is extremely capped now. Fitzpatrick's not going to be back till probably week eight or nine. Um, Fitzpatrick looked awful anyways when he was, you know, for what that's worth. I don't know. I, I would say I would say seven. I think seven's a good one. It's relatively high. It's not, you know, I don't know what your pennies on a dollar number would be, maybe closer to nine, but um, I'd say seven. Like, you're definitely, you're definitely disappointed. You're definitely upset. You don't have the upside, and you hope that because he's such a great talent that he'll still be able to be productive, Um Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You know, with the quarterback that he has, but obviously won't maybe have his draft capital necessarily. Um, that, that high upside attached to his draft capital. Really weird, really weird game for Washington. It was a close game. It's not like it was a bad game script for McLaurin. Only finished finished with only four targets. Um, McKissick only had one target. McKissick wasn't really involved in the passing game. You had Antonio Gibson with 20 carries, which is a lot nowadays. I mean, I don't know if there's any other. If there's another, uh, I think Mark Ingram had over 20 carries, but I think they're the only two. So 
I don't know. We'll see how Washington looks um, this Thursday against the Giants. But I'm not ready to, to hit the full-blown panic meter yet with McLaurin. He's got the talent, and we've seen, you know, this is we've seen him play with bad quarterbacks before. So, yep, very true. I wonder what if there was a time of, uh, time of possession was fairly heavily in the Chargers' favor. Just looked it up: 36 minutes to 23 minutes. So, you know, that could have been played a little bit of a role when it came to Washington's passing. And, of course, once Fitz went down, close game, they probably tried to even slow down the game even more with the rushing. So all that makes sense. Um, Aaron Jones. Very similar to Zeke. I mean, this is why the thing with Aaron Jones, I owned him last year in a couple leagues, and they, like a lot of teams, it's not specific to um, to Green Bay, but they'll they'll have drives. Will be an AJ Dillon drive, and he'll play the he'll play the whole drive, right? And then um, you know, and there'll be an Aaron Jones drive. The game script was terrible. They were it was a mess from from the very beginning. So I don't read too much into that particular game. I am worried about Aaron Rodgers, and I just think it's going to be a roller coaster ride for Aaron Jones owners because AJ Dillon is is not he's going to be a very big part of the offense in the running game. And I think Aaron Jones will have these monster games where he gets big plays. A lot of his fantasy success is going to be, um, is going to is going to have to come through big plays, chunk plays. It's not going to come through volume. So, and it's going to be frustrating. I own Aaron Jones in one league this year, and um, I'm fully expecting being you know a very frustrating year. Panic meter. I, I don't know. I would say I'd say like a, a four. I, I, I'm with. It didn't come as a surprise to me. It was a terrible game script. And um, I, I think you drafted Aaron Jones because of upside, albeit you drafted him in the top 15, right? So, but there's plenty of other running backs. There wasn't a lot of running backs outside of McCaffrey and like Dalvin Cook that really, you know, put you know, in dazzling once, once performances. Once again, these running backs just, just continue to find ways to make you say, one day will we just start drafting wide receivers in the first round? <laughs> you know, we're all always in the hunt for these yeah. elusive running backs and um and they just they're they're just extremely the way that the amount of passing that's happening in the league the amount of specialty running backs that are used on third downs and etc um you know just continue to take away from the value the the upside and total points that an individual one individual running back can score you know do you, do you have any extra comments on Rodgers the panic score there um since we're speaking about green bay um, you know, well, I was, I was going to say that the, um, the schedule gets these next two weeks should be pretty favorable for Aaron Jones and Rogers, Detroit, Detroit green Bay is one of the games I'm most excited for. I have Rogers in, in one big league I'm in. Um, so that's part of it, but this is going to be a big test for Rogers at home. How does his, um, is ever going to see an attitude change out of Rogers? I like, I, I'm really looking like this game is going to, is going to determine how, what my panic meter on Rodgers is. My panic meter on Rodgers is already a seven because it just, just in terms of like I drafted him in the second round in a two quarterback league we were in. I feel like I already missed the boat on that. Like that's already, he, he can turn it around, but I'm already like, you know, I, I should have just taken Russell Wilson there. Um, because we, we know that Aaron Rodgers doesn't run, but he's just been, he's, he's just been so good as a passer. He was the number one quarterback in our league last year in that particular league. Um, but he's also not very happy in Green Bay. How is that going to play itself out this year um, when there's adversity? We saw what happened last Sunday. So I, it's a very, very favorable matchup. I think he bounces back in a big way. 
But in terms of season long, my panic meter is a seven just because I feel like if you drafted Rodgers, you know, the, any quarterback you draft in the first two rounds in a two-quarterback league shouldn't be capable of a performance like that against a slightly above-average defense, right? You, you, you shouldn't see that. Even Josh Allen played Pittsburgh, tougher defense, and he still had a very solid day, just not up to his standards. Yep. All right, let's keep moving along. I don't think I really have any additional items to 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 move to say on that. So for the sake of right. time and um, you know repeating what you said, let's move to a couple others. Uh, you know, stick with some more running backs, just because as you as you know as we just noted, you know there was definitely some disappointment across the board. Uh, Austin Eckler, clear one here, especially for us. You know, in terms of a lot of yeah. people drafting him. Uh, tough defense. I, I'm, my, I, I'm, I'm still gonna say I'm gonna say like a four for Eckler. I mean, you know, it, it was one game. Now, his fantasy, his fantasy appeal is his pass catching. So, you know, if he has another game where he's not catching passes, I'm gonna be really worried. But it was a tough defense. Week one, new offensive coordinator, new coach. Um, I'm giving him a pass. Um, I'd say a four for for Eckler. Yeah, I would agree with that. I might go a three, but you know, we're just. It's basically the same, very close there. Um, yep. No targets. The, the The passing game is the alarming part, right? Like the idea of the 15 carries versus the eight to the backup, you know, not running very, very well numbers um, on the road. But this was nice to see. Uh, just to go back to the, the, the young rookies, uh, head coaches, you know, the fact that the L.A. Chargers, you know, coach, and Philly both went on the road, um, both won. Uh, those are some nice victories. And I think that goes back to a lot of times when we say with head coaches, like, like go try something new. Don't don't rehash the same person that we've already seen head coach and not do a good job. Bring someone in new because you never know. Um, and next is Derrick Henry. Zero. My my pan meter is zero with Derrick Henry. I'm not worried. The game script is the worst possible game script you could ever expect for Tennessee. They played probably, I have to look at their schedule again, probably the most high-powered offense they're going to play all season long. The guy still had a high ball. He had 17 carries, caught three passes, had around a little over 10, 10 you know, 11 fantasy points. Um, I'm not, this is what happens from time to time with Derrick Henry, but he'll also have those games where he gets over 100 yards, two touchdowns. Um, I'm not worried um, about Derrick Henry at all. Yeah, you, you really shouldn't be. I, I rewatched this whole game um, – if anyone's not doesn't have NFL Game Pass to rewatch some of these games, you you really should look into it. But the one of the main things I thought maybe could happen to Derrick Henry is this exact game, and 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 for Tannehill to do well, and for the whole offense to kind of thrive in a heavier passer, you know, passing offense with Julio Jones and, and the weapons that they have. And that just didn't really happen. I mean, in Arizona's defense, by the way, played absolutely lights out. I mean, from the first snap of the game, someone was in the backfield. And I don't know if this is an indictment on Tennessee's offensive line, but in the first snap of the game, someone tackled Derrick Henry in the in literally behind the line of scrimmage. There's not a whole lot he could have done in a lot of instances and still getting the 17 carries. The only thing this kind of proved to me was maybe a little bit of an indictment on Ryan Tannehill, who I really liked going into the season the fact that he was behind most of the game and they couldn't put up better garbage numbers than they did against what we think is a bad Arizona defense or has been relatively bad uh, was definitely concerning. So this, this kind of 
to me kind of indicates to Tennessee, like, okay, yes, we need to stick to what we are as a team, which obviously goes through Derrick Henry first and foremost. Yeah, I think I think the the Titans are going to make adjustments, and I think what would happen this game is they got punched in the mouth really early, and they didn't really they weren't expecting it, and it was you know Arizona's defense they have Chandler Jones they have a really good pass rush, so that's the the absolute worst scenario for Tennessee. They're not a team that's that's built to play from behind, but also their offensive line struggled. Arizona had a good pass rush. I chalk this up to, you know, I think I've seen enough from Tannehill since he's been in Tennessee to be like he's. He's going to be fine. I'm not too worried about this. I'd say my panic meter on Tannehill is, is probably get two or three. And, you know, you look at the schedule coming up. They got Seattle. Then they got Indy. Then they got the Jets. Then they have Jacksonville. Then Buffalo. And then KC, who just gave up a ton of yards, both on the ground and in the passing game, to Cleveland, a much inferior offense to, to Tennessee. So I think Tennessee's schedule is definitely going to help them get back on track the next few weeks. And I think they're going to learn from this game and they're going to make some adjustments. Um, you know, Arizona is just a tough out, um, especially on offense. And I know ten- we're talking about Tennessee's offense, but Arizona came out just and just crushed them so early that I think it's it's kind of tough for them, for certain teams that aren't set up to come from behind to make adjustments on, on the fly. And I just, it didn't seem like they were, they were ready or they were prepared for it. And it, they were just you know, caught completely off guard. 100%. And I don't have any, you know, any uh, panic level on Tannehill either. I just thought maybe there'd be a little bit more upside in the passing game this year. And, and this would have been the spot to kind of showcase that. And it's just not there. They are a little bit of who we thought they were in this case with Tennessee. You know, we see this sometimes early in the year and we don't know, is it the offense or was it the defense of Arizona? This might be a time to, I mean, if Arizona can go on the road and do this to Tennessee's offense, who we know has consistently played very well against almost any any off defense in, in the past couple of years. You know, I don't know if they're still sitting on waivers for whatever reason or, um, you know, if someone's playing the obviously week-to-week uh, waiver pickups. They, they clearly could maybe, maybe be a big play this year if, if they if that's what they did to Tennessee's offense at home. I, I, got, I got one for you. All right, shoot. And it's Atlanta in general. So I know Mike Matt Ryan hasn't been the same for the last couple of years. It, nobody expects Atlanta to be world beaters, but they played a very what we thought was going to be a very um, you know very fantasy friendly defense for them to play against. Thought a lot of their players would have good games. Calvin Ridley caught three balls in the opening drive, finished with five catches for 51 yards. Um, Kyle Pitts, okay, you know, four catches, 31 yards. Um, Mike Davis, 15 carries, but couldn't get in the end zone. Um, and he ended up with 10 fantasy points. Russell Gage, zero catches on the day. Um, Matt Ryan, obviously, zero touchdown passes, threw for under 200 yards. What's your panic meter with all things Atlanta? In terms of, like, their, their fantasy players. I would have Calvin to say, Ridley, I would Kyle have to Pitts, say, Mallory. like, generally speaking, it might differ depending on the player, but, like, I would be, like, a nine, at least. <laughs> I mean... I think Calvin Ridley will get his own on certain games, but I don't know why it couldn't have been this game at the same time, right? And so, and if if we're going to include Calvin Ridley's draft capital, I think it has to be an easy nine across the board. Like Matt Ryan's not startable in almost any matchup, including two quarterback leagues. Like who would you rather start next week, Matt Ryan or Teddy Bridgewater? Teddy Bridgewater. You know, Matt Ryan, Matt Ryan's down in the Daniel Jones category. Is that too harsh or no? I don't know. I mean, the guy literally... Just nope. threw for 164 
passing yards and zero touchdowns yeah. against Philly. Yeah, I, I mean, you're not going to see him play much worse defenses than than Philadelphia. Um, he hasn't thrown for 30 touchdowns the past couple seasons. They just lost Julio Jones. Um, you know, I, I just I think there's uh, there's already a lot of right. He doesn't run right, so you're not going to get any rushing yards out of him. And um, the offense just isn't the same. Like the days of Matt Ryan throwing for over 300 yards and three, four touchdowns are, are long gone. Um, I think I, I, he's not rosterable in one quarterback leagues. And in two quarterback leagues, you, you, after this game, you better have a, a good third option because um, you don't want to have to rely on Matt Ryan week in and week out. Calvin Ridley, I think, is, uh, you know, I'm not worried to worry about him. It's a little early, but everybody else in that offense, it's not an offense that you want many, um, many players. I don't think, From I, I, don't think I would Outside want one. Of, I mean, Kyle Pitts did get eight targets, and so he's a tight end. So that could be one where you're like, okay, you know what? If the potential worst-case scenario is just like seven points, then maybe that's not too bad because, again, he's a tight end. But, uh, yeah, I don't want I don't, I don't want anyone. It's, it was a real— And they play, the Buc- they play the Buccaneers this week, too, so that's not a good matchup. Um, you know, everybody, bench, bench your— Bench your Atlanta players if you have them in your lineup. Oh, yeah, 100%. Um, anyone else left on your panic side? Those are all the names I had. I know you just brought up the Atlanta. Anyone else on panic? Try, trying to think of any of the big ones that come to mind. Like, is there some players that, that had slightly off games like DK Metcalf? But he's not even worth mentioning. No, no you know, there's a lot of like, about him. yeah, and there's a lot of like other I, middle round running back, uh, wide receivers you know, that I think we can talk about next week when we start getting closer right. to is this a trend or not a trend? Here's. Here's one, uh, Saquon Barkley. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> well, I, mean, he was I, I dead know to me, and you don't like him, but there's a lot of people that drafted him in the top fifteen or at well, least in the second be, round. Who, who is who is who is Denver playing this upcoming week? Can we find that out real quick here? Let's go week two. Uh, because I was reading articles like, oh, Saquon went up against Denver's tough defense, and you know, you know how yeah, these I'm things. Buying it. Yeah, I'm not. I'm, I'm buying not it. buying it. Like, like why can't Saquon? He's Saquon. That's the whole point. They play Jacksonville. They play, um, yes, yeah, Denver plays Jacksonville, but the Giants play Washington. Saquon, this is the problem. This is exactly why I didn't like Saquon this year. And I know he only played a game and a half last season, but it was the same thing. He's not he's not going to catch a lot of passes as 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 much as we thought. He, you know, based on his rookie and sophomore years, he caught one pass, and he had ten carries, twenty six yards. Like their their offensive line is still bad. Their offense is inefficient. Yeah, like why can't he, he be catching passes? Like at least Christian McCaffrey during the first half was involved in the offense and throwing him the ball. That's the whole point of Saquon Barkley is you catch passes and then, of course, you want him to run well. But he, he hasn't run well the last two years. He ran for 2.6 yards a carry coming off an ACL. This guy is so tradable. It's unreal. And, uh, you know, the, the truth is this is what he did last year before he got hurt, guys. So to me, this is not new. Yep. I, I think now is the time to trade Barkley. You know, some people, it, it depends on the people in your league. I, there's a lot of fantasy owners that are rational. Maybe they, maybe they like Saquon and they're like, oh, wow, this is a great opportunity for me to get him at a little bit of a discount. But you don't have to, you don't have to trade him away at a big discount, you know, this early either. And he's playing Washington, not a good matchup either. Now's the time to trade Barkley. Um, so, yeah, that's where I, I put a 10 panic meter. But, you know, we, we didn't like Barkley to begin with, so for us, it's like we're not really surprised by this. Right. All right. Um, just a couple thoughts. The waiver wire was very thin after a week one, right? Like normally, 
normally I feel like it's a lot juicier after a week one. A lot of surprises and a lot of people coming out of nowhere, maybe some bigger type injuries, you know, real major injuries were one shocking Raheem Mostert. So that just leaves more, you know, more unknownness when it comes to the San Francisco running back backfield, which is common in, in Ryan Fitzpatrick. So, so the pickups were light. Elijah Mitchell was probably the the number one pickup. You know, how, how would you approach this this San Fran backfield now that we had Sherman inactive week one? I guess Sherman came out and said, you know, Hasty and Mitchell clearly beat out Sherman in training camp, which is you know super alarming. Clearly, you know, if anyone who drafted Sherman and the fact that they drafted him in the third round. Yeah, it's still early. I, I, in terms of Elijah Mitchell, I say like I'm pretty skeptical long term on him being. Like I don't want to get sucked into his performance against Detroit. Um, I, I do think Sermon will play a factor. I, I'm not reading too much into him being. It's not a great sign, but I, I also like how many times have we seen a player be a healthy scratch and then leapfrog whoever played in replace of them, and all of a sudden they're the starter, or or they're playing. You know, they're playing a meaningful role. So. Um, I don't know if if I was really struggling at running back, I'd be perfectly fine spending 20% or more of my fab budget for Elijah Mitchell. He's he's being drafted, he's being picked off waivers in every single league. So at this point, you know, when people listen to this podcast, he, somebody in your league already owns him. Maybe you own him, maybe somebody else does. Um, I, I think he's definitely he definitely has upside, but I would definitely be reluctant to expend more than 20% of my fab budget on him. Would you um, spend if, more? The same or less, the three options, um, if you had Sermon on your team. More. Oh, yeah, definitely more. Yeah, um, I agree. And maybe that's silly because either way, it's like if you have Sermon, you know, if you have, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, but but I, I do think if you have Sermon, you do have that security blanket. You're like, okay, I'm guaranteed to get one of these running backs. And what we see from Sam Fran is they're just a ground and pound, run, run, run the ball type of team i think jimmy g maybe i think he had one touchdown pass in the game um i think i know trey lance threw a touchdown i think, yeah, I think jimmy g threw it had the touchdown pass to debo um but very very average game for jimmy g pretty bad game um in a game in which they scored 40 40 plus points so um yeah, i mean yeah. the writing was on the wall there obviously yeah i agree you know it's gonna be i think short term as in like a week or two because that's like about max you can give any type of san fran running back and then we can barely even read into what maybe Shanahan says during the week, but you probably okay throwing him in a flex spot where Sermon you can't. You know, Hasty didn't get any touches, but who knows? Jeff Wilson comes back in five, six plus weeks, so then you have to deal with him. I mean, it it's just like you said, long term, it's really tough to really commit. And, and pay too much for one of these guys or, or go trade for them, you know, regardless if you're paying fab budget or, you know, you're paying up in trade because it just inevitably someone else will get hurt. Inevitably someone else has the hot hand for that particular game for no explicit reason. Um, and, you know, until Shanahan does anything differently, just like Anthony Lynn with passing the running backs, you know, we have to, we have to believe that it's going to be, the same of what we've seen before. Yep. 
All right, I think that's going to wrap up our episode, Seth. Overall, week one in a couple words. You know, what what are your you know general thoughts you know, in a uh, short sentence? A couple words of what week one was. Sloppy, a lot of sloppy play. It's weird. I I thought there was the coaching was good, and I thought that the games were were fairly fun. Really, you know, there weren't too many duds, but I thought the play was sloppy. Like we saw in the Raiders game, that game, that game was really sloppy. Even the Buccaneers Dallas game, that game was awesome to watch, but that was pretty sloppy. We saw a lot of fumbles, drop balls, a lot of penalties, um, a lot yep. of penalties. So pretty sloppy, but it's good to have football back. And um, man, it, it, it just—I don't know. This season more than others, I felt like I was more excited for the beginning of the season, and it just glued the TV all day long. I'm like, man, I—you I, know—it's a good thing there's only what now 18 weeks of this. I couldn't do this, you know. It would be wouldn't be good for my health to have to do this all year long. It's good to have the break in between as yeah, much we, as we, we love need it. the off season as much as the players do. <laughs> oh yeah, even more so. We got we need to we need to recover. So yep. All right, love it. Um, that was week one of the NFL season. Quick recap: observations, panic meter, uh, some waiver players that are getting picked up. We are the NFL Talking Heads. Thanks for everyone for listening. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of the NFL Talking Heads Fantasy Football Podcast Show. Try saying that three times fast. With your hosts, Jeff Carrier and Seth Lowell. We'll catch you next time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.